the victim mentality feels backed into a corner. I had no other choice but to do this. Mm -hmm. And so what we want to do is we want to empower our children by showing them the choices they have and that they are powerful to carry out those other choices that lead them to the outcomes they really want. Hey, Ben. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Coughs a lot. I'm trying so hard. <laughs> uh, so last week, we recorded we recorded episode number 20, 21? So are we on 22 now? Um, I don't know. We are. So, so we recorded episode 21 last week, and I was, uh, I was on medicine. Yeah, you were. I was very sick. And so today I'm, I'm feeling much better. I ended up getting on some antibiotics and, but I, I still have this terrible cough. So I am, I'm going to spend the episode trying to talk, but breathe in just the right way so that it doesn't cause me to go into a coughing fit. Yeah. You haven't been coughing as much though. I didn't hear you last night. Yeah. Yeah. I still, I still had a few fits. I I call them fits. Yeah. Cuz I I don't I don't play around when I cough. Yeah, I know I'm you like, don't. I'm like get that stuff out of my lungs. Yeah. You were coughing one night when I was like up all night with a stomach virus and you would shake the whole bed and it would make me so sick. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. It's awful. That's the that's the worst. <laughs> I've got a terrible cough and you feel like seasick. Yeah, uh huh. It was awful. I had a trash bag beside the bed just in case. <laughs> yeah. Well, are you feeling better? Yeah, I feel great. It's good. I guess tis the season. You know, mm -hmm. it's it's that time of year when people tend to get sick. Yep. Uh today we are talking about helping your child get out of and avoid victim mentality. All so right. so you, you asked me what we were talking about today. I told you this title, and and what did you say? I said, do we know how to do that? Do we know how to do that? Mm -hmm. Now, when you asked me that, did you mean, do we know how to do that for our children or for ourselves? Um, Maybe both. I think I was intending it more for the children. Yeah. But. No, I, I like that question. I'm, I was kind of assuming it was for both because we've definitely struggled with some of that. I, I, in my personal opinion, just looking back over the years, I feel like we've struggled a little bit with this victim mentality thing and, and haven't really identified it or worked on it directly, but through some other things have made some progress toward getting out of it. Um, but many, many adults do even without realizing it struggle with this, victim mentality and it causes them to, it, it kind of casts this shadow over their lives. Mm -hmm. So we're going to, I want to talk a little bit about what victim mentality is and you can add some stuff too as, as we go through this, if there's anything that you feel I'm missing, but okay. one of the, one of the biggest markers of victim mentality is the passing of blame. Mm -hmm. I think, I think about those times when 
our oldest, Jaden, has been uh, upset about something. And so he does something to one of his brothers and, and we get on to him about that. And he says, well, I, I hit him because he did this to me, you know, mm-hmm. and it's, and it's kind of this finger pointing thing. Yeah. Uh, and I think it, just to add something real quick, I think it, sure. it depends on the personality type because our, uh, some of our other boys don't do that. You know, it's not all of them because when I was thinking in the, of this at first, I thought, is it maybe a stage that kids go through? Um, but I think that there are certain personality types that are much more prone to the victim mentality than yeah. others. So yeah, some definitely. some people listening may totally understand and get what we're saying. And some people might be like, well, I've never dealt with that, you know, because I think that some some of us, we just gravitate toward that more. Yeah. And, and even if this isn't you or your children, you probably know somebody who fits this profile. And the way that we deal with this is a little bit different from what you might expect. Mm-hmm. So another, another marker of victim mentality is feeling that bad, that just the feeling that bad things just keep happening to you. And, and I think about that book, Alexander and the terrible, horrible, no good, very mm-hmm. bad day, Yeah, you know, and, and just as he's going throughout his day, it's, it's a combination of the bad circumstances or the things that are happening to him. And then his comparison of himself to other people and seeing that more favorable circumstances are happening for them, mm-hmm. you know, and, 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 and so it's that co- comparison and just feeling like, ah, oh, that the things just tend to not work out for me. And, and it maybe even becomes this belief that that's just the way life is for that person. A lot of what we see with our children when it comes to victim mentality is complaining about unfairness. Mm-hmm. And it's, it can be either it's, that's not fair that I don't get to do something, or it could be, that's not fair that he gets that and I don't get it. And what victim mentality does is it ultimately leads to allowing the circumstances that you experience or others to be in control of your happiness and your destiny. You're handing that off by saying, oh, all of, you know, these things are happening to me. This is, this is unfair. This isn't right. I'm, I'm not, that person is to blame, you know, and, and you're saying my happiness and my, my ability to enjoy life and reach my goals depends on these other things that are working against me. Mm-hmm. So do you have anything to add to that? Uh, I mean, I was just going to add something a little more personal. I, I feel like I probably struggle with this more than you do. And I also think that certain things that happen in our childhood can help us, almost, not help us, can uh, can make us often feel more like a victim than maybe other people, you know? So you're blaming? No, I'm, I'm not. I, I'm saying that there I'm are some kidding. real things that people yeah. go through in their childhoods Absolutely. that can that can make them feel as if they are victims. And there's a lot of healing work that has to happen with that uh, in order to get out of that mentality. And I think that's, uh, you know, the past. Well, I guess ever since we've had children is is kind of my my journey into healing from that, because. Um, because the reality is there are a lot of difficult things in the world 
and we don't always get to choose whether or not we go through them. You know, dads leave and yes, moms struggle and there's nothing that we as children can do about that. And so it's, it's worth it for us as adults, as the parents of these children who are watching us and who hear everything we say and the way that we frame things, it's worth it for us to do that healing work. Absolutely. And, and so one of the, one of the huge keys to this for our children is us being on this journey for ourselves too. Mm -hmm. And not, not just making it about them, but really demonstrating those things, living it out. The root of this victim mentality speaks to some of what you just said, Rachel. Part of it is the feeling of not being worthy. Mm -hmm. And, and this, this can be from somebody leaving or it can be from constantly feeling like the behavior and the decisions and the, and, and the choices that you make are causing you to lose favor in the side of the people that you love. And in episode 20, we talked about protecting our child's sense of self-worth and, mm -hmm. and how important that is for us individually on, on a very primal level that we are acceptable. And so anything that calls that acceptability into question compromises our, our sense of self-worth. Mm -hmm. And that's part of the root of this victim mentality. Oh, sure. Um, another, another part of it is feeling like we're not in control, like we're powerless. And that's something, especially as children, mm -hmm. we experience as, as we get into adulthood, we may not struggle with that as much, but there's still an element there. There can definitely still be an element of that feeling of powerlessness there. And if, if children aren't empowered when they're children, they can carry that into adulthood. Right. And I think that's where a lot of our kind of junk, I guess, comes from is that we, we, we are, we grew up in a generation where parents didn't know how to empower their kids, you know? And so now we know a lot more and when we know better, we do better. And yeah. so we're, we're helping to empower our children so that hopefully they don't carry a victim mentality into their adult years. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's like we say, there's, there's going to be some stuff they're still going to have to deal with. Yeah. But how great is it that we, we, we get an opportunity to show them what it looks like as adults to still be working through those things. It's, you know, it's not about arriving at this place where you're perfectly healthy mm -hmm. as a human being. It really is a journey. It's something that you're, you're continually working through and toward and, and so, uh, so th that's, that's something that a great gift we can give to our children is showing them that it's okay to admit that we have some parts of us that are wounded and, and maybe a little bit broken and, and that we can heal and work through those things. Yeah. And how empowering is it for them to see, uh, you know, if they hear us say something like, well, we just can't ever get ahead because life is always dumping all this crap on us and you know, for them to hear us say that and then we turn it around and say, you know what? I was feeling like a victim and I am not a victim in this situation. Yeah. There there are things that, I mean, how empowering is that for them to see uh, something like that turn around, you know? Uh, so, so sometimes I'm like, you know, when, when we're not perfect, I feel like those are the best teaching opportunities. 
So absolutely, it's great that we're not perfect. Mm-hmm. All right, so I want to I want to talk about the child who is in victim mentality. They're they're nice and wedged in there. Mm-hmm. I I would say that among our children, the one who stands out to me the most as as struggling with this is our oldest, Jaden. Mm-hmm. And when he expresses that victim mentality, that is not necessarily the my best opportunity to um, equip him to to work through that and mm-hmm. because it's it's one of those things that you really want to that once once he's expressed it there's already the the thing that caused it the the catalyst has already played itself out and so you can't try to redirect that necessarily you have to you have to think about okay what can i do between now and the next time he's faced with this kind of situation to help him have a better mindset about that. But when they do express those things, uh, I, I think of one of one of the examples that we have all the time with Jaden is that he will get upset about something. He's maybe sitting down and reading and somebody's pestering him. Because somebody's always pestering in our house. <laughs> always. And so he's he's usually pretty good now lately about saying, hey, stop, I don't like that. And they keep on doing it for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And to the point where he gets angry and hits them or hurts them in some way. And then they get, and, and you know, they, they cry because they're younger and they know that we're going to hear them and we're going to come over and Jaden, why did you hit your brother? You know? Mm -hmm. And so one of the mistakes that we make often in that situation is immediately putting on this reactive, uh, angry, frustrated tone. We're, we're frustrated. This has happened that you've hurt your brother. And, And so what helps Jaden a lot in those situations is when we can step back and be really objective and take a breath and say, you know what? I, I see that your brother is hurt. Can you tell me what happened? And, and, and then he does, you know, he does the thing where he says, well, I was, he, he was bothering me. So I hit him, mm-hmm. you know, and, and he passes the blame and he says, it's, it's his fault. I, I was just sitting here reading. And so in that case, we can acknowledge his feelings and say, okay, you, you felt angry and then help him tell the story again, because the, the whole story can be told so many different ways. Mm -hmm. And it, it is, it is clear if you're looking at it objectively, it's clear that it's frustrating for somebody to be picking on you. Yeah. But there are many decisions that Jaden could have made in that situation that would have led to a different outcome. And so he'll tell the, he'll tell the story and you, you listen to his story. And then w- what you can do is you can offer an alternative story and say, you know, what if instead of hitting your brother you had gotten up from your chair and, and gone somewhere else? Or what if you had come and, and told us after trying to get him to stop? Mm-hmm. And, and tell, 
try try to lead him into an alternative story that leads to the kind of outcome that Jaden probably really wanted, but didn't feel like he could produce. Yeah. And I, I think the thing that we can do for our children in those situations, we've talked about it with the, the sibling uh, episode that we had, but it's just empowering them to be able to c- communicate well with their sibling, you know, to be able to c- communicate well, why they don't want them to bother them and how it's making them feel and that kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Um, but the, but what we want to do in that situation with him is to make sure that he realizes that it's not just his little brother's fault. It's also a fault of his ho- his own well, that the and, entire situation happened. Yeah, and and I want to I want to be careful about using Well, yeah, we the, you don't want to place blame on anybody, but just, you know, helping him to see what his actions did as well as what his brother's actions, what he feels like his brother's actions did. Yeah, so so part of the story and 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 so maybe I need to rewind so we've heard, we've allowed Jaden to tell his part of the story. One of one of the the really important things that we can do is retell the story and empathize with the emotions of everybody involved. And and and, and so not only are you acknowledging that Jaden f- felt a certain way, you know, mm-hmm. Jaden felt angry and upset because his brother was pestering him, and then Jaden hit his brother and and now his brother feels sad and feels like Jaden doesn't like him because he hit him and and maybe he was pestering him just because he wanted to show him a picture or a drawing or something and there was just a miscommunication there and and so you get to tell the story again but give a little bit more perspective give Jaden an opportunity to understand the feelings of the other person who is involved and that automatically, without having to say, now you were at fault here too, mm-hmm. that automatically helps Jaden to see the responsibility that he had in the whole situation. Right. The, the role that he played. So then after offering an alternative storyline, you know, give, giving them some different options and, and here's, Here's the really important thing about those alternative storylines how and how they deal with the victim mentality. The victim mentality f- feels backed into a corner. I had no other choice but to do this. Mm-hmm. And so what we want to do is we want to empower our children by showing them the choices they have and that they are powerful to carry out those other choices that lead them to the outcomes they really want. And then after that, uh, to, to further that empowering. Empowerment. Em- empowerment. Thank you. We would lead Jaden to an action, to something that he could do to change the situation. Now, this is a, this is a big part of taking responsibility because regardless of how the blame is divvied among the parties involved, mm-hmm. responsibility says... I'm going to do what's in my power to make the situation right. And that mindset, it it offsets the victim mentality because it it says, regardless of who is to blame, I'm going to do what's in my power to make things right. So that's, 
I'm going to go ahead and recap just briefly. So when your child is expressing that victim mentality, you want to take a step back and objectively evaluate the situation. Allow your child to tell their story, retell their story in your own words and help them understand the role that they had with the other person. Give them an alternative story and, and show them that they are powerful to carry out an alternative that would lead them to the outcome they really want. And then lead them to an action that helps them to take responsibility and do what is in their power to make things right. Okay. So for a child who is not in victim mentality, but you're worried about your, your concern that they might develop victim mentality and you want to avoid that or for, for the child who is in victim mentality and, and you're trying to work on the root in between those times when they express that. These are the things that we want to focus on. These are, these are the three core beliefs that offset and help us avoid victim mentality. And the headings for these are our children. And if you need to do this for yourself, you can just replace our children with I. Okay. okay. So, so this first one is our children belong. Mm -hmm. So if you're doing it for yourself, you could say I belong. That seems like such a simple thing, but as we talked about in episode 20 of in the boat with Ben, you can, uh, you can listen to that or read the show notes at in the boat with Ben.com slash 20. But children are inherently valuable and their worth does not depend on their behavior. Mm -hmm. And the same thing, the same thing is really true for any human being where our, our worth is not dependent upon our behavior. Now, and, and it becomes even more complex as we become adults, but, but we have these things that undermine that belief and cause us to feel paranoid or worried that our position within a community, that protection that we need, is compromised if we make a mistake, if we do something wrong. For our children, sometimes they're, and, and, and this, it gets, a, it gets a little bit complex with children too, but the way that they receive love might be words of affirmation. And if when they make a mistake, the words tend to sway in the negative direction that can really compromise their sense of self-worth because that channel of love and acceptance suddenly feels interrupted. Mm -hmm. So the, one of the most important things we can do is, is to help our children to, to believe not just with our words, but by our actions, by the way that we, by the way that we treat them and the kind of responsibilities that we give them. To, to help our, our children believe that they belong. Mm -hmm. All right. The second, the second core belief is that our children are powerful. And, you know, when you're, when you're a kid, you don't feel powerful. You, th this world is built for adults mm -hmm. for the most part. Many things are out of reach, you know, and, 
And so you're, you're so dependent on the other people around you. It's easy to feel like you don't have any power. And, and I think about that when I think about the times when our children have thrown tantrums mm-hmm. and they see what happens, you know, they, they see how powerful they they really can Well, be. especially if you're out in public. Oh yeah. You get the stink eye from a lot of people if your kids throw a tantrum. So they, you know, that's powerful to them. And if we're not, if we're not giving them ways to be powerful in other ways, then that's, you know, kids are smart. That's what they're going to default to. That's right. So, so we, as parents, we need to give them opportunities to assert their power. Part of what we need to do is listen to them. And this is, it can be a difficult thing if we're, you know, we're so used to speaking in adult language and dealing with adult problems and stuff like that. And, and we have this weird relationship with the things that our children say where, you know, they, they could be very serious and earnest and we're just like, Oh, you're so cute. (laughs) You know? And while that's true, they're, they're very cute. Taking the things that our children say seriously is a way that we can empower their words and say, you know what, the things that you have to say matter. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that we do in our home, this is a little bit kind of a, a sideways approach to this, but we are very particular about language with certain things, especially at the dinner table when somebody wants something, we we don't allow them just to say, Oh, I want this. Mm-hmm. We we tell them, no, there's a certain way that you say this. We say, may I please have such and such. Mm-hmm. And what we're what we're showing them is that there's power in using your words correctly. And politely. And politely. And kindly. And, right. Yeah. And that's helpful. And and another thing that we need to be doing as parents is defending their power. So and with with siblings, it's kind of easy because there's there's always an opportunity to just kind of listen in on what's going on when when somebody says stop i don't I don't like it when you do that, and that person continues doing it as as parents, it's appropriate for us to step in and say, "You know what he said this stop mm-hmm. he used his words and he told you to stop and and that's not, we, we don't always want to intervene that way, but, but we can take those opportunities from time to time and reinforce this idea that there's power in using our words mm-hmm. and that, that power should be respected. Well, and I think one of the other, um, one of the other things that we try to teach our kids about power is that there's also power in listening to another person's perspective. And putting yourself in another person's shoes because um, what we're also trying to do with conflicts is helping each side see what the other might have felt. And that's that's hugely empowering for kids because uh, especially when it comes to the victim mentality, because there are a lot of times, you know, they can be in school and the teacher is handing down these things. So in our in in our boys school. Sometimes if there's like a kid who's being super loud or something, 
all of the kids in the class will have to sit out for 10 minutes of recess because this one kid messed it up. Yeah, I'm not and, a fan of that. Yeah, me neither. But um, but what that communicates to the other kids is, hey, we're just a victim of this other kid's, you know, misbehavior or whatever. And what we can start helping our kids see is that, you know, from the even from the teacher's perspective, which I mean, that's kind of a hard example because I don't think that every kid should be punished for one kid's misbehavior. But uh, but just helping kids to see a different perspective is extremely empowering for them because they they can put themselves in those shoes and realize the decisions that other people made and why those decisions were made. And then they can, you know, they they know that they are not victims in that. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I'm not sure if I'm coming across the right way, but <laughs> no, that, that made sense. Okay. I'm thinking about those situations too. And, and there's definitely, it's important to respect authority. Yeah. Um, but I, I think, I think what's more respectful of authority is when a person feels that doesn't feel like a victim, but, but feels powerful Mm-hmm. to speak up and and say what they think about a situation or or what they believe about a situation and or offer a a different perspective or alternative and when you're not in a victim mentality i think you're you're more able to do that respectfully oh, yeah. sure than than when you're you're in a victim mentality because i can hear i, I and i can't imagine our six-year-old doing this, but, but, uh, well on, on, on either side. I, so I can't, I can't imagine him just yelling out, that's not fair. He was, you know, like yeah. that's, that's a victim mentality. And, and while there is maybe some truth to what they're saying, no, nobody can receive that because of the way that it's being said and the mindset that it's being spoken from. Right. But if he was so confident and, and understood that, you know what, this is, this is an unfair system and I disagree with this rule. And, and he, he made that determination in himself, walked calmly to the teacher or raised his hand and had the teacher come over or whatever and said, Mrs. So-and-so, uh, it's not fair for those of us who were following the rules mm-hmm. to have to sit here. And not and, be able to and play. not be able to play, and uh, th- just be really calm about it, mm-hmm. and really, really respectful. Yeah, I don't think I a would, six-year-old could handle that yet. <laughs> if I was, if I was a teacher and and some yeah. kid did that, though, oh I, yeah, would, you'd be super impressed. Like, I don't know what to do with this. Maybe that kid president kid could do it. Yeah, he's kid, super cute. Kid president, <laughs> but that's that's the kind of power. I I want my child to realize they have. Mm-hmm. And it's not it's not a power that bulldozes or bullies or anything like that, but it's it, it's really a, a power, this calm confidence that I if if there's something that isn't right, mm-hmm. I can use my words. Yeah. I'm I'm powerful to to change it. And and so maybe in that situation he did speak up. And and nothing did change. Well, he he's also powerful too. There's power in community, right? 
So there's, there's power in reaching out to the other people who are in support of you. Mm -hmm. And he can tell the story of what happened. And then we, as parents, get to come in and defend his power and say, you know what, he, he spoke up, he was respectful, and we happen to agree with him. You know, and, and not, again, not in a way that's bullying or bulldozing, but saying, you know, we, he's, he's powerful and we want to make sure that you agree with that and that he's heard. Yeah. Um, I wanted to go back to the empathy piece too, because I thought of a better example. We are, our five-year-old is in kindergarten now and he's, he's pretty young to be in kindergarten because his birthday was in July but he and so he sometimes I mean, he's a really good friend. He knows how to be a friend and all of those things. But he was sitting next to a little boy um, and he would come home and just be like, we go through highs and lows at dinner. And every night his low would be that he had to sit sit next to this kid. And so we would always ask him, well, why is that your low? And he would always say that the boy was he would reach over into a space and kind of bother him a little bit and. Uh, do all these he wasn't he wasn't mean or anything uh sometimes he would i think he would make fun of our son just like boys often do yeah and uh and so we we tried to get him uh, i don't know what it is but i have this i don't know it's just like a love for the problem children and the kids who maybe can't stay still and even the ones who are seen as bullies like i just i love them i want to bring them home and i want to show them that they belong and that they are loved. And so what I was trying to do was get him to see the perspective of this kid because, you know, our, our boy has dinner with his family every night and a lot of kids don't get to do that. And so I was trying to help him see, you know, some of the things that could be contributing to a kid who just feels really desperate to have a friend, you know? Yeah. And I think it's just really powerful for our kids to have experience with those kinds of things. I know, I mean, it, we want to shelter them from all of this stuff, but it's also really good for them to know that other kids are in a reality that are not like theirs. And uh, anything that we can do to help them see that and to help them welcome those people who may, maybe they don't know how to be a friend, is it, just really valuable and empowering for them, I think. You know, I think about the game that you and I play sometimes when we go downtown and we people watch mm-hmm. and we make up stories, you know, like to make up their backstories and say, oh, they, they just came from, they flew in from California and they actually live in California, but they're thinking about moving to Texas and, you know, like we just make stuff up. Yeah. And that storytelling is a great way to help our children to try to get into the minds and and maybe the intentions in a healthy way mm-hmm. of other people, you know? And, and so with Hosea in that situation, our five-year-old, we could say, you know what, let's, let's tell the story of, of this boy. Mm-hmm. Let's, uh, let's try to find out what his story is and, and we can, and, and help him through that process. You know, he's, he's not necessarily going to be able to come up with some elaborate backstory, but mm-hmm. we can, we can help him, do some of that storytelling and, and yeah, I, I totally agree. That can be a really powerful way for us to stop feeling like the victim of somebody else and right. recognize that they're, 
they're the victim of something and they're trying to, you know, they're trying to pass that on to somebody else. And yeah. Well, cause I think what, what I noticed when he was saying this every night is that he, it was kind of like he was framing his day as it was a really good day except for right. this. And so, uh, you know, if we can, if we can reframe that into something that could be good, then I feel like our kids can break even more out of that. Yeah. And, and you want to, you always want to make sure that you're acknowledging their feelings about the situation. You know, this isn't, this isn't us saying to our five-year-old, uh, you shouldn't, you, you don't need to feel bad because he probably doesn't even, you know, like it, it's one thing being true doesn't make the other thing untrue. You could say, you know what? I, I would feel upset if somebody was doing that to me too. Yeah. Let's try to figure out why he might be doing that. And, and that understanding has a byproduct of helping helping you to adjust your emotional reaction or response to those things but that doesn't that doesn't mean we need to try to fix that right, you know, it, right. It's, we we need to acknowledge our children's feelings and and experiences right so the third core belief is our children are responsible this is this is one of the most important ones for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think as adults, we deal with this victim mentality in different ways. So for you, it might be more the feeling of powerlessness mm-hmm. and, and, and feeling like things are happening and you don't feel like there's anything that you can do about it. For For me, where I struggled with it more is the feeling of, not being responsible Mm -hmm. and and it wasn't that i didn't see that i played an important role in things but but for a long time i would point to other things i would point to the circumstances and and the story that or i guess the the root of that was if i was if i was responsible if i was carrying more of the blame that would mean i was at fault and if i'm at fault that makes me unacceptable. And if I'm unacceptable, you know, and you follow that mm-hmm. all the way down to those very primal needs, you know, that we've talked about. So uh, responsibility is different from blame. Blame is about trying to determine who is at fault. Responsibility is about doing what is in our power to make something right. So, so responsibility, blame says, Oh, I'm, I, I was, it, it was my fault and I, I bear the guilt of, and the consequence of whatever happened. Mm-hmm. Responsibility says, and it's not always, it's not always about mistakes. Sometimes it's about circumstances. So for example, the, this is, this is me, you know, as an adult trying, trying to figure out this responsibility piece our air conditioning keeps going out, mm-hmm. you know? And so I can look at our circumstances. I can look at where we are right now financially, and I can look at other things that might be going on and say, well, you, this is just one thing and a whole string of things that just keeps going wrong. And I just can't seem to get ahead. And res- responsible Ben says, you know what? Five years ago, 
was when I should have started thinking about the air conditioning. <laughs> That's when I should have started thinking about and preparing for replacing it. If I had done that, then by now, I wouldn't have this issue where I'm trying to put a Band-Aid mm -hmm. band on it. So what can I do to make sure that we're going to continue to have air conditioning? So part of that was me going and doing some DIY stuff, mm -hmm. putting, putting a better Band-Aid on it. For now. For now. <laughs> getting, getting us through getting the us summer. Getting us through the summer and then... But responsibility for me in this situation looks like thinking creatively. And that's, that's the great thing that responsibility gives us is it, is, is it does empower us. It gives us the ability to think creatively about the problems and the issues in front of us. Yeah. And so, so I'm thinking about, and I've got a lot of responsibility. You know, I'm, I'm a man who has six children and a mm -hmm. home and a car and all of that stuff. But I, I get to figure out, I get to s try to solve these problems. You know, I get to think about, okay, between now and next summer, how can I replace that whole thing? Man, that's so exciting. So fun. <laughs> but that, having, having that shift in mindset from, from you know, now it's going gonna, it's gonna to be okay for now, but next summer it might go out and I don't know what's going to happen. It's like I'm waiting for, for something to happen to me. Mm -hmm. Responsibility is I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about the future. I'm foreseeing the potential problems and I'm working them out ahead of time. And so, so for our children, I, I made that a lot about me. But for our children, we want to give them the same gift. We want to show them that they can be responsible for the way that they respond to things that happen in their world, mm -hmm. the circumstances they're in and the wrong that is done to them, the, the wrong that they've done, the mistakes that they make, they can be responsible for how they move forward, how they do better. Right. Responsibility is a hard word for kids, but it's a good word for kids. It's, it's hard too, I think, because it's carried so many different meanings mm -hmm. and, and I have to be really careful when I'm talking to my kids about responsibility, not to use it like I might use the word blame or fault. Right. You know, so I, I don't want to come into that situation with Jaden where he's hit his brother and say, well, you're responsible too. Yeah. Because. The, what I, what I want them to, the, the responsibility that I want him to have in that situation is no, you, you are responsible for how you respond to your brother. And so, so your, your response, that's part of that word, I guess, if we want to break it apart, your response in this situation could have been, and you give them the alternatives, right? Mm -hmm. Um, but beyond that, after, after the situation has already happened, your response to, to the state of the situation can be this, and that can make things better and right, and that can repair the relationship, and that's something that you can do. If you're the victim, 
it's it's all about being passive and waiting and hoping things work out and 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 saying well if they don't if they don't apologize i'm not going to apologize right uh and what i was going to say um what you went back to with the responsibility thing is the piece i can't remember how you framed it it's doing what we can to make it right is that what you're what you defined it as I said doing what is in our power to make okay. so, to make something right. So doing what is in our power to make something right. And for us as adults who maybe have suffered trauma or hurt as a kid and carried that into our adulthood um as maybe maybe not a formal victim mentality but almost like a subconscious thing. Um I think the thing that's in our power to do is to go through some intense forgiveness work. And uh, because one of the things that we can do to empower ourselves is to say, you know what, we've done everything we can to make this situation right. And there is no other responsibility on us. And so we no longer have to be a victim to the, the time when our mom left us or when our dad left us or when we were sexually abused by someone. You know, they no longer have power over us because we have done the work. Yeah. And, and that's, that's a pretty advanced attitude and, and skill to have to be able to work through those things. But it starts with the little things when, when they're young. And so mm-hmm. it's great. It's, it's just so great for them to practice, not, not just know these things, these, these core beliefs that, that they belong, that they're powerful, that they're responsible, but to actually put those into practice on a daily basis in, in some way. And the most important thing that we can do as parents to help our children avoid this victim mentality and, and take on these beliefs is to demonstrate that for ourselves. And that doesn't always mean that we are masters at it. Mm-hmm. This was, there was a, a question from Kelsey in the chat earlier. She says, what does the balance look like of helping your kids reach an empowering context of thinking like a winner and simultaneously reaching for that yourself? And, and she kind of clarified that a little bit later and, and basically was saying, you know, when we, when we haven't mastered it, can, can we teach our children to do that? And I would say absolutely. Oh, yeah. In fact, there's no better time than when you are working on those things personally Mm-hmm. to let your children into that world and let them see the kind of work that you're doing and and be able to demonstrate for them. So so these things are true about you. You belong. You are powerful. You are responsible. And as you pra- if, as you put those things into practice in your life, your tr- your children are going to see that and they're going to take on those things those beliefs for themselves. Mhm. So I wanted to bring in a couple of questions. This one was from Gabrielle in the chat room. She said, when my five-year-old gets upset over an issue, he immediately pulls out the it's not fair statement. Mm-hmm. What, are the, what are positive ways to answer this without the age-old life isn't fair saying from our own childhood? Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it's so tempting to do that, to, to just say, you know what? life isn't fair. Mm-hmm. Get over it. Yeah, I think, I mean, our boys have gone through a lot of the whole it's not fair thing. 
And it, it's because of what happens at school. It's because of, you know, things that happen at home. It doesn't matter. I think, I think that kids, whenever they go through certain things, they do feel a measure of unfairness about a lot of things. Yeah. So, so how would you answer? I, I would say the words that our children, that, that, that it's not fair is not the whole story. There's, there's so much more to the story. So the, the entrance point that we have as parents is just acknowledging their emotions. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's getting our foot in the door. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I, I don't think, um, I don't think it's helpful to tell kids, well, it actually is fair, you know, because that's kind of, um, it's negating what they feel. And so maybe a way to ease into an ex- explanation is to say, you know, I know that it feels like it's not fair. And then move into something a little, you know. Yeah, and move into the story. And they and and the story really is they feel a certain way because X, Y, and Z. And and so when you acknowledge their feelings and you and you don't deny those things or or try to make light of it, but you acknowledge those things, you get to you get to help them tell a more accurate story about what's mm-hmm. going on. Because I'm not fair is just so broad and it's so general it's not and. Fair. Did I say I'm, said, not, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not fair? It's not, I don't think kids would ever right. say <laughs> but it's it's not fair. It's just it's very general and it's broad and it's a lot of a lot of what our children say are their attempts at describing something that's very complex that's going on inside of them that they don't really have the language for or the or the patience to express in that particular moment. And so so when we help them express and articulate more accurately what they're experiencing, then we arm them with language that they can, more accurate language that they can use later. And that's, that's going back to the whole powerful thing, you you know, saying, when you say it's not fair, that tells me that something's wrong, but I don't really understand what's really going on. Mm -hmm. But when you say, I feel sad because Jimmy has a car and I don't, then that tells me a whole lot more. And and you get to underscore how powerful their words can be, mm-hmm. especially when they're being very accurate about the things that they're, that they're feeling and experiencing. Right. Another, this was another great question from Gabrielle. She said, getting silly is always a good way to get my kid to be less serious about being upset, but how can I make sure I'm not making light of his concerns or feelings? Mm-hmm. And so I, we we use that tactic every once in a while when things are just too heavy and and they're emotionally flooded and it's just you know yeah. I, I'll come in and I'll try to do something silly to lighten the mood to help kind of shake them out of that mm-hmm. a little bit and and so that can be a very positive thing. The important thing is to always go back mm-hmm. and yeah. and make sure that you help them deal with the emotions that they were experiencing. Even if, even if they're only feeling like the, you know, the echo of that at the time. So you've, you've gotten them out of that really serious, but, but go back and say, you were feeling pretty upset, weren't you? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and help them to, again, tell the story more accurately about how they were really feeling. Yeah. And I think the telling story things, that whole piece is very important for any kind of, any kind of thing we do with our children, really. But particular, p- particularly for the victim mentality, because we can 
we can rewrite that story into something that has less shadow, maybe, if that makes sense. I'm a writer. I use a lot of metaphors. <laughs> no, that's good. <laughs> okay. That's good. Um, and, and just, I don't know. I, I feel like we can also do that work for ourselves. You know, that's part of what I do in uh, a lot of my journaling is just rewriting places in, in my life that maybe are full of shadow to my eyes now as an adult and probably were as a kid as well, but just rewriting it as if, you know, I was not a victim there. I was, I was a powerful person and I got to choose which way I took yeah. on the road that, you know, so any way that we can teach our kids to do that, I feel like it's just a really, really cool thing. I don't feel like I was ever taught that as a kid. I don't think I even learned it until. Well, and, and so what's, what's true is that even if you, even if you never changed the decision that you made in that story or whatever, mm-hmm. w- one of the, one of the really powerful things that the psychologists recommend when you're trying, when, when you're thinking back to negative events in your past that still influence your and affect your life. One of the things they tell you to do is as you're thinking back on that memory, try to focus on a detail that doesn't necessarily have to do with something emotionally, but just something like, Oh, there, a window was open in the room and the sun was shining in. Mm-hmm. And, and what that helps us do is, is the part of that story that we remember that we have such a strong emotional connection with is the negativity but what was really going on in the world in that moment was so many different things. Yes, it was us in the room and a parent yelling at us or abusing us in some way. But there was also a window open. It was daytime. The sun was out and the sun was shining through. Maybe we heard birds singing and there were birds bouncing around in the trees outside and they were chirping and, and just going on. And and it doesn't. it's not about trying to make that situation okay but it's but it's helping us realize that life is so much more than our own experiences and that in some way makes us feel more powerful mm-hmm. so i'm going to bring in one last question this one was from charla she said what are your favorite ways to help kids get past thinking solely about their own comfort and i had a i had a couple of answers for this i hear that pets are a really great way because when you, when you have a pet it, uh, as a child, it really activates the empathy mm-hmm. because especially, especially certain pets like dogs are very emotionally expressive animals. Mm-hmm. And so it just physically uh, emotionally expressive. And so we they, don't have a dog. No, we don't. But, but they get to see how the dog reacts and stuff. like. And I, and I noticed like when we go visit your parents, Rachel, mm-hmm. your parents have a lot of dogs. And, and so I, I see how the boys interact with the animals there. It doesn't necessarily mean they treat each other any better, <laughs> but it does build some of that empathy. Um, but one of, one of the things that I, I like the most for helping kids to get past thinking just about their own comfort and their own needs and uh, and being very self-focused is to actually go out and serve other people and be in, in environments where people don't have the same kind of comforts that we experience on a daily basis, you know? So, so going on something like a mission trip 
or going down to your one of your local nursing homes where mm-hmm. where there are some old folks who are lonely and don't have anybody who who come and visit with them or maybe going downtown and feeding the homeless. Yeah, we it, did, well, the city doesn't allow that anymore here, but we did that a few times with when the kids were really young. And oh my gosh, the way that the homeless people just loved kids was just, you know, it was pretty crazy. And I it, loved it. Yeah, and, and it's it opens up empathy in so many different ways. For one, I mean, it, it causes us, we have these preconceived ideas about how things, how a person is and and how they're going to act and, and that kind of thing. And so until we actually go and have an experience with them in person, we we really don't know. And so that that physical encounter, that face-to-face encounter really takes away all of our illusions and our, all of our preconceived ideas and it shows us the reality, mm-hmm. you know, and that, and that's a very po- po- uh, powerful thing. But then also just seeing how they respond and how grateful they are for something really basic, like our time or like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, or in, in the case of going on a mission trip, maybe to a country that's not as wealthy as America um, or even even places in America, we 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 went down to a place in Mission, Texas, and there were homes that were very small without air conditioning. Families as just as big as ours, mm-hmm. and they were so thankful for the the work that went into building these small houses. That for for us, you know, like we would we would complain about. That's so small. It doesn't have air conditioning. There's dust blowing in. And it's it's just the most wonderful thing in the world for these folks. And and so that change it, it just it changes you inside when you're exposed to that kind of thing. When you when you are a part of providing that for somebody else and seeing the the impact it has. I want I want to say a huge thank you to Sharla for asking the question. This was a while back. She, uh, she sent in this question about, uh, her child who was struggling with some of that, you know, feeling like the the world was out to get them. And it really got my brain going on a lot of this stuff just with our own kids. But I, I love that. I love that she actually took the time to write in and, and share a real life question. That's what we want to do here. You know, we don't want to just, we, we have, we have tons of stuff that we can talk about from our own experience. Mm -hmm. Every single day, there's some new issue or something that we're, we're working through that we could talk about. But if, if you have any questions, if you, if you have any problems that you're dealing with and and stuff that you just want us to talk about here on the show, don't hesitate to go to Ben in, I'm sorry, in the boat with Ben.com and get in touch with us. We want to hear from you. So thank you, Sharla. Mm-hmm. All right, Rachel, where can people go to find us online? I know I just said it. But InTheBoatWithBen.com. That's right. Go to InTheBoatWithBen.com. You can sign up for our newsletter there. That's another great way to, uh, you, I, I, we send a newsletter out every week when an episode goes out. It has the show notes and, 
uh, or link to the show notes and it's got some highlights and stuff like that, a personal note from me, but you can just reply to that and send me a message anytime. And I, and I get those and I respond to them. So please sign up for the email newsletter. We would love to see you there. If you want to find Rachel, she is at racheltolson.com. You can follow her on Twitter at Rachel Tolson, and you can follow me on Twitter at Ben Tolson. If you want to help out the show, go to seanwest.com slash community. The Sean West community is an amazing place filled with amazing people. So many of the questions that drove the conversations that we had during this episode came from the community. I mean, the, the main question that gave us this topic idea came from somebody who's in the community. So the, the kind of people that are going through these same things and, and working through them are here all the time, ready for you to talk to. We've got a forum that's got some really great information in there. Uh, you should definitely check it out. I just can't, I can't encourage you enough. Go check it out. SeanWest.com slash community. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for tuning in and listening. And we will see you next time. See ya. go on mission trips a lot as a kid um i did let's see i think i did three i did one in college and then i did two in high school and came back with montezuma's revenge oh man and i remember that yeah i was i was actually all prepared to go into like full-time mission work and stuff thought that was my life plan and came back with that and was like well this is not for me (laughs) yeah it was it was pretty terrible. I uh I think I mean I was already really thin in high school and I probably lost like thirty pounds because of Montezuma's revenge. It was pretty bad. It's like the best weight loss the, ever, but is that the scientific name for the condition? Well that's what they call it. I mean, it's it's like because of uh I, I think it was the dairy in Mexico when I went down to Mexico. So I just, yeah, that has trouble written. But all everybody over it. else on the team had the same exact thing I, thing I did and I was the only one who got it. I thought I was going to die and they wouldn't let me go home because, you know, we had all traveled together. Yeah. It was awful. Oh. <clears throat> it was terrible. It was like three days in Mexico where I, I couldn't even move out of my bed except to go to the bathroom. <laughs> you know, that, that sounds like it was kind of a defining moment for you. Oh, it was very defining. I said, this life is not for me. <laughs> so what I, I guess I was trying to get out the my follow up question was going to be what, it was there something during your experience with uh going on mission trips that 
that shifted your mentality that kind of gave you perspective or or changed your um i don't think it was necessarily the the field trips um you mean mission trips i mean the sorry mission, <laughs> i don't know what i was thinking about mission trips i think it was more uh we used to do like with our campus ministry and stuff we used to do a lot of projects to feed homeless and stuff and i think that's where i actually had more perspective because some of the stories that you hear from some of those homeless people um some of them of course feel like victims but a lot of them just they take that responsibility on themselves like i would hear stories about people who just made bad decision after bad decision they lost their kids they lost their home they lost their job they lost everything and and yet they were still standing and took responsibility for those things you know and i did a lot of work with um women who were in addiction yeah and that you know a lot of a lot of the work that they do is helping is going through and and rewriting their own stories to show their responsibility but also that they were not a victim anywhere yeah and so that was i mean it was just inspiring to hear a lot of those stories that's really cool yeah. You know, I, I didn't go on many mission trips in high school. I can't, I, I know I never went out of the country. I think it, it really, the the one thing kind of along those lines that stands out the most to me in my memory is a time when we went downtown and fed the homeless before they made it illegal. Mm-hmm. And we brought the, brought the boys with us and there was, a, there was an elderly man there who was you know he he uh we were able to give him some food and stuff but he was so excited to see the kids Mm -hmm. and not in a creepy way but just i i remember i remember him having this really Mm -hmm. grandfatherly demeanor about him you know and and treating the kids like they were his grandkids Mm -hmm. and and it just it, it made me think differently about homeless people. And I, I had this, you know, just really basic box category in my mind and it shattered that box for me. It was like, you know what? I, I can't have a homeless people box anymore. Like, yeah, that's not, that's not who they are. That's not their identity. You know, their their grandfathers, their fathers, their, their mothers, their sons, their daughters, all of those things, all of those labels that are so much more important and meaningful Mm -hmm. uh just shattered that whole like oh this is a homeless person label Mm -hmm. yeah it's i mean it's really cool once you start getting to know these people yeah so it helps you with the victim i just wanted to say too that there are a lot of times as a parent that i can find myself sinking into a victim mentality especially when you have like a challenging kid or um twins like we have or something you know something that feels really hard yeah um and i can find myself often slipping into that mentality of well you know i didn't really ask for this and um and i just i just wanted to say that just because we slip into that mentality doesn't mean that we can't get back out and it also does not mean we don't love our children right so i don't know i didn't know if i should bring that in or not but i feel kind of strongly about it because you know, I, I, over the years when we, that we've had twins, I find myself slipping into that a little too easily. 
we should we should talk about that sometime. Maybe make that a topic. Yeah, because I know that I know that that's been. I I don't know how many this is this is getting a little bit real for us, you know. But I don't I don't know how many parents have experienced this. But you have those moments, or sometimes even longer than moments. Those <laughs> days, those weeks, those months, where you almost feel like life would be better if this child belonged to somebody else. Mm-hmm. You know, like you don't, you don't necessarily wish they never existed or anything like that, but it's like, if this child wasn't mine, life, life would be a whole lot easier probably for both of us. Mm-hmm. And, and then immediately, and okay. So some of you listening are appalled that I just said that <laughs> because you can't imagine not wanting and, and loving your child completely every moment of the day, whatever. But but there, there are probably more of you out there than you care to uh, admit who would say, I felt that before. And then I also felt the guilt that came with that and oh, the shame. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I, I can't, parents don't feel that way mm-hmm. about their kids. Like parents who really love their kids don't feel that way. And that's just not true. You, you do love your child. You care about them a great deal. And, and part of, Part of the way that you love your child is the fact that you continue providing for their needs and being a parent in the face of this hugely conflicting feeling that you are harboring inside of you right now. Mm-hmm. So I, I totally agree um, with you, Rachel, that that's not, that doesn't make you a bad parent. And that also doesn't mean that you're stuck there forever. Mm-hmm. So and Megan asks a good question. She says, do you find that the challenging child is the child who is a lot like you? <laughs> I would say that the things that I probably get most annoyed about with my children are the things that they probably got from me. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Exactly. That's why you handle the strong will better than I do. <laughs> yeah, maybe so. <laughs> oh, man. So right. many strong-willed ones. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you guys again for listening. Yeah. Are you doing after after show or we we're we are gonna go into the after oh, okay. after show. For those for those of you who are not in the community, the after after show is uh, we we have a pre-show, which you don't get to hear. It's it's kind of our warm-up time. And then the after after show is our time to just kind of relax and hang out with the people who are in the chat before we sign off. So if you want in on, if you want in on that, go to seanwest.com/community. All right.